1: There are lots of lousy
2: businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses.
3: It's the art and science of money. My job has
2: been to try and figure out which is which.
3: It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto. With Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers, here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well,
4: good evening, my friends. It is Saturday night. Thank goodness for that. It was one difficult week for the Wolf on Bay Street, I must say. Yes, a cathartic experience I shall have this evening with you, my good friends. But hey. It's okay, we're gonna get you through it. A uh, little uh, quarter end dressing taking place, some big rotation in the market taking place. Uh, minutia, the average person needn't worry about stuff like that. Uh, so you pay a professional like me to worry on your behalf for you. Uh, but certainly has been a very interesting uh, year. And uh, again, I continue to lean on my experts for some guidance. Uh, we're in it together, and uh, of course, the more brains around me, the greater the success I can have for you at home. Uh, let's get into the show. Again, This is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein. By the way, any questions for us, WolfgangKlein.com. Jack Hartle, my partner. Good evening, Jack. You doing okay?
5: Doing pretty good, Wolf. It's been a tough week, like you said, but uh, it's, the, it's the one-year anniversary of the, the COVID crash, too. So you, you really do have to put things in perspective on how far we've come in the last year. Well, good point, and happy anniversary, uh, <laughs> COVID-19.
4: <laughs> Be done with you. Be done with you. And, uh, well, again, we are moving forward. Uh, we expected some choppiness this year. But uh, let's bring on our guest, uh, Mr. John Johnston, good friend of mine, uh, veteran to Bay Street. Uh, I won't say semi-retired. I won't say semi-employed. I won't say part-time, just uh, doing his thing on his own terms. Uh, yep, Uh Baby boomers understand the gig economy, too. Uh, he's with Davis Ray. He's a, a chief strategist. Uh, he used to work at one of the big banks with Moi OC. Uh, he's been a frequent guest on High Fire Radio. Uh, JJ, good evening, my good friend. Uh, welcome to Saturday night.
1: Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
4: Uh, so uh, let, let's jump right into it, JJ. Um, the big rotation uh, has begun, uh, and... Uh, the bond market certainly uh, was leading uh, the equity market, meaning uh, interest rates uh, have risen. Uh, again, the average individual home doesn't see that. Mortgage rates haven't moved yet. Deposit rates and GIC rates haven't moved yet. But the bond market has moved with the 10-year and the 30-year yield Um aggressively moving the last few weeks and putting a lot of downward pressure on growth stocks and even many of the cyclical names, uh, oil banks, uh, even the pipelines. Uh, It's it's been very, very choppy uh, the last uh, few weeks. Uh, J.J., uh, please uh, offer us some thought and guidance on uh, where we're at and where we're going.
1: Well, I think that, uh, you know, you highlighted the fact that it's a one-year anniversary and we saw very, very extreme moves in the markets uh, a year ago uh... that included a very sharp drop in interest rates right across the curve as uh... central bank slashed rates down to down to zero and uh... Mm -hmm. the bond market rallied like crazy with government bond yields falling very sharply basically here we are a year later and with a bit of a delayed reaction uh... government bond markets have sold off quite sharply and we've seen this big dramatic rise in yields movements in the bond market like this aren't out of the ordinary but uh, in, I look at it in percentage terms, and it's one of the largest percentage increases we've seen uh, in a 10-year Treasury yield. Uh, and I just look quickly at data going back to 1997, so it's quite a long time. Uh, and, you know, there's going to be some uh, flow-through of that. Certainly, this is not a le- we're not at a level of government bond yields and corporate bond yields. Uh, despite the increase that's going to cause the economy to sputter and grind to a halt, Uh, but it's certainly going to cause valuations to adjust, and we're seeing that. And uh, we've had this big rally in the stock market, and we were due for a a correction at some point. And I also highlight, and uh, this is your technical analyst, Javed Mirza, really pounds the table on this, you know, he's another graduate of the same big bank we came from, which was a strong adherence to the four-year cycle. And the we're, the, the current four-year cycle is getting long in the tooth, and we're due for a four-year cycle low at some point in, um, you know, early 2022. That means the down leg is going to start sometime in 2021. So after a great run in stocks, uh, we're likely to see a bit of choppiness now for a period of time. I think the key thing is is that we're in an environment still where interest rates are still low. You know, the central bankers are emphasizing they have no plans in the for the time being, for a lengthy time being, to increase short term rates. Bond yields are searching for a level or a new trading range. We're probably in that trading range now. We haven't defined the parameters of it yet, but, uh, and there's room for yields to move higher. But the, the suddenness of the move seems to be behind us, and we're not at uh, economy-crushing levels. So I think the economic environment's pretty good. Uh, we're still probably in a long secular bull market in equities, which means that when that four-year cycle low comes, it's not going to be a you know, damaging bear market. It's going to be more of a 10 to 20% decline top to bottom, uh, probably closer to 10 than 20 and then it'll be onward and upward. So I think it's a bit of a shakeout in the system. Uh, you know, maybe it's at the time for a more defensive posture, both in um, equities and in corporate bonds. Corporate bond spreads are quite tight, which means the returns, you know, from bonds purchased at this level are going to be below average. So I think it's a time to, you know, consolidate the gains and prepare for the next cyclical upleg.
4: Well, we're covering a lot of ground, and again, uh, friends at home, it's Hi-Fi Radio, it is a show about money. The world is complicated, Uh, and we share with you on this show the complexities uh, that professional money managers are faced with every single day. And to have this industry, for lack of a better word, belittled down to an app, and it can be done readily on your own, uh, buyer beware. Uh, Things move, uh, and when they move quickly, as they have in interest rates, it's not the Absolute movement, but it's the rate of change. And Jack frequently speaks about rate of change and uh, the the consequences uh, uh, as a result of uh, such rapid movement. But again, covering a lot of ground. Uh, and again, you know, th- thanks for the uh, setup with uh, our technician Javid. Uh, there's very very few market technicians left in Canada. It's a delight to be able to have uh, one working with us at Canaccord. Um, the question is JJ, and again, it, it's minutia, but it is to have something through the year, uh, SIA work is, is, is telling us the market is going to work sideways. Uh, Tony Dwyer saying the same thing back and forth, back and forth, similar to what we had in the 08 09 period, the big ramp up from the financial lows, big rally, then a sideways market. Um, but then I'm, I'm hearing speak of another melt up before the big four year cycle low, or perhaps. The four-year cycle low is is now being made right in front of us, um, which leads me to my next question. Is this time to get defensive? Because uh, all of the beta or much of the beta has already corrected. I can even take that right into emergent markets in China. That was supposed to be the savior of the year. It is not acting very well. So within the market itself, uh, Jack and JJ, um, I see a lot of underlying uh, cracks in the system, but the overall indices uh, seem to be holding in relatively well, with the exception of the NASDAQ and the small caps.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, the, the four-year cycle, si- the timing of the four-year cycle is never exact. And it may, you, you know, you may be right that we, we may be on the cusp of it. Uh, we also, I, th- I think that we're still in an environment where expectations are pretty high. Uh, economic growth, earnings expectations that keep getting revised upward. Um, I, I think that People have now adjust, are adjusting to the interest rate environment. Um, so I, I, I think that there's still some room for uncertainty here. Um, it may be the case. And, like, there's certainly a lot of areas of the market that have corrected nicely. And, you know, I'm looking at small caps, and I'm a small cap fan. Um, uh,
3: cause hear, I, think
1: that, I think that we're in an environment where the global trading environment is going to be difficult with the U.S. and China. And small caps tend to be a bit more domestically focused, and I think that's an environment that's going to do well, especially if there is a risk, and certainly the risks are higher now than they were a decade ago, that the policy environment and the economic environment will generate higher inflation. And history has shown that small cap, given their growth orient, more growthy orientation, tend to do better in periods of rising uh, interest rates and rising inflation, even if there's yeah, an interesting adjustment... Beginning of that process, so um, I think from a longer-term perspective, you know, if you're if if you've had a nice correction and some cyclical cyclical areas you're looking at, certainly begin to add by all means. Uh, I certainly think it's an environment where, at the very least, you want to look at your investment policy statement and make sure you're in fairly close to balance, uh, whatever that you know whatever that equity, bond, fixed income mix is. Uh, I, I kind of think it's an environment where you want to be on plan.
4: Again, interesting, uh, and again, uh, as interest rates went further and further down the tube, uh, equity allocation uh, continued to move higher. Uh, so I, I, I think, uh, uh, JJ, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost quite certain I'm right, uh, the average investor has no bonds. Uh, how could an investor in the last five years be purchasing a whole lot of bonds, uh, yielding 2% and being satisfied with that? Uh, like the GIC desk. boy, oh boy, they must be starving for business. Uh, yeah. I don't know, Jack, uh, JJ, uh, speak to that.
1: Well, I guess my observation is is that bonds have two purposes, and I think the one that dominates to a dangerous degree is income. Like I think income is obviously very important, but bonds are also a source of ballast to a portfolio, and we certainly saw that last year. We went into into 2020 with, you know, bond yields were, you know, above 2% in the U.S., yet they generated huge returns in um, 2020. Uh, they've, they served their role uh, providing ballast to a portfolio. And I think that one wants to be very careful uh, about abandoning ballast in favor of income.
4: Uh, but I this year, that, JJJ, the bond market has, has taken it on the chin. Uh, with, 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 the, with yields rising as much, I don't know how much the uh, 10-year bond is down this year. Uh, Jack, do you know how much the 10-year is down this year?
5: Uh, and I don't know the number, but I know that, like you said, the rate of change, Wolf, in terms of uh, how quickly it has risen and the duration on the tenure, is basically as is, is big as it's ever been in history right. at, at the start of the year. So but, it's uh, significant uh, for sure.
4: No, it has to be down. It has to be down, guys, about eight to ten percent. Uh, because interest rates went from a half a percent to over one and a half, and again, the math. The math on that is when with with the zero coupon, the math on that is the, the duration is almost ten. So. It probably bonds were are down about 10 percent this year. Uh, I will say I listened to uh, our other strategist Tony Dwyer this morning. He puts up these video vignettes, uh, internal use, and they're great uh, way to get get his opinion on the market uh, as opposed to always reading his work. If you see him on video, it actually works very well. Um, and his concern with the bond market is uh, not rising yields. His his concern is falling yields because falling if the 10 year bond yield. Begins to descend, if it begins to fall, that will spell up a weaker, not stronger economy. And his concern is maybe too much growth has been priced into the market already. Look, we're gonna to go to a quick break, get back with my good friend John Johnston and Jack Hartle. John, of course, is a strategist uh with Davis Ray. Jack Hartle, of course, my partner, WolfgangKlein.com is your one-stop portal. For financial wisdom. Stay tuned. Hi Fi Radio, Global News, 640
3: Toronto. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640
4: Toronto. Good ol' my kids... I couldn't get out of bed one day this week, and I said, "I what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and get my old vinyl out and play that song." I couldn't find my vinyl. I tried, so I share it with you, my good friends. Ozzy can sing, indeed he can. Uh, And JJ knows the market as does Jack. That's what the show's all about. It's about the markets, my good friends—stock markets and bond markets and oil markets and currency markets and even new currency markets, aka crypto. We cover it all. We cover a lot of stuff on this show, and we have a lot of fun helping you uh, get a bit of a better grasp for the markets and comfort level for it so that you can well build yourself a successful financial strategy that is going to stand the test of time. And that doesn't happen overnight. It is a process, uh, a process uh, with yourself, and it's a process with your partners that you work with. And uh, may you have great partners in life, uh, for they can yield you great, great uh, dividends, uh, shall I say. Uh, J.D., you're talking about uh, uh, dividends and uh, yield uh, just before the break. And, of course, the market has been very starved for income. Uh, you know, here at home, um, there, there are a lot of really good um, yielding stocks that you can buy. And a lot of them are little unknown companies. Uh, A&W yielding almost 5%. Roger Sugar yielding, you know, 5.5%. Uh, the REITs yielding 4 to 5%, uh, there, you can certainly build yourself a nice income portfolio in Canada. Um, and again, I, I think you know during this growth phase that we've just witnessed, people walked away from income. And I again, I'm not, I'm not an income junkie. I don't think that is a be-all-to-end-all-to-successful strategy. Uh, but I just do look at this environment and say, hey, you know something? Maybe take 20% of your portfolio. Um, and again, I'm going to talk about it as a bond surrogate, but... Uh, and and put it into some pretty boring income names, the the price of security will fluctuate without question. Uh, But again, many of these securities uh, are well off their highs, so you can also see some upside. But to to speak to that um, uh, right here, right now, do you think it's appropriate uh, for Canadian investors to look at something like that?
1: I I would say yes. Um, I think that, we're, we're moving into a, a range for bond yields. I don't want to get back into a bond discussion, but we're move, You know, if we look back last decade, we traded in a wide range of the 10-year yield of 1.5 to 3, and we're in that range now. Uh, maybe there's a bit more of an upward bias in yields, probably is, but I think the damage to the bond proxies or the bond surrogates that you've just mentioned is probably largely done. And the, the dividend side will probably carry the, the dividend yield, will carry the day over any kind of capital, potential capital losses. I think a lot of those are already in place.
4: And I didn't even uh, mention said, the Canadian banks. I, I'm sorry, excuse me. There's, there's five yeah. of those puppies. They all have a 4% dividend yield. Uh, Enbridge, TransCanada, Pipeline are all yielding in and around the 4 to 6% range. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's something, you know, we, we don't have an income portfolio per se. We have most of those names I mentioned to you are in our conservative accounts and in our balanced accounts uh, to a lesser degree in our growth accounts. Uh, JJ, I want to ask you something else but I have to because again I, I, uh, hi fi radio is an exercise for both Jack and I to share with the audience uh, what we are learning. Uh, and I continue to learn as I uh, spend uh, you know an hour with my guests yourself included. Um, but the tech stocks have been annihilated. Um, because of rising interest rates from, going, from the 10-year Treasury the 10-year bond, going from a half a percent to one and a half percent. That has wiped out trillions of dollars of valuation. Uh, Elon Musk making the, uh, making the headline, how much money he, the poor Elon has lost uh, because of that little movement in interest rates. How much of that damage do you think is, has been uh, done? Uh, how much more damage do you think is potentially in front of us in the land of tech?
1: I don't think there's probably a lot more to come. I think we, you know there is there are rumblings with China and I think that tech companies are going to have to be spending more money to diversify supply chains and things like that away from Asia, I think away from China. And you know the big you know the, the really hot days may be behind us for a period of time, but I think from as you talked about a lot of cyclical stocks are down. And I think that, uh, you know, they'll recover once we adjust to the uh, interest rate environment and the fact that the the economic cycle uh, has a ways to run. You know, we had a recession in 2020. Recessions tend not to be back-to-back unless central banks go after inflation, and there's not really much inflation to go after right now, even if it does go up a bit this year. So there's no reason to look for a double-dip recession. I think the odds are that uh, we're well through the pandemic-related shutdowns. And over the next year, I think there'll be more opening than closing. And I think it's an environment in which the, the economic cycle will give us a nice tailwind for stocks, even if the correction goes a little further and we hit that four-year cycle uh, bottoms, maybe you know this year or early next.
4: Well, um, again, in uh, listening to Tony Dwyer's work, uh, he, he spoke about a few different phrases uh, on, on Wall Street. One is don't just sit there, do something, or don't just do something, sit there. Okay. He thinks we're an environment for the latter where you do nothing, you just sit there and wait, which means don't capitulate and puke out equities, uh, and don't run in and buy just yet. There's a bit more slugging, uh, right here in front of us. Um, but again an adjustment to, to the new environment, I think does make an awful lot of sense. Uh, but this theme here, JJ, um, the, the, the reopening stocks versus the stay at home stocks, do you really think it's that black and white?
1: Um, no, it's probably as black and white as we get in our business where it's all rather shades, but you know, I think that, you know, people are getting pretty restless and I'm kind of, uh, uh someone who's been quite content staying at home but i'm getting anxious i want to go out we're going on a walking tour this weekend just to, a small socially distanced walking tour just got to get out and people are chomping at the bit to travel they got lots of money sitting in the bank because if you're one of the fortunate ones in a large segment of the population seems to be where you're getting paid to work at home and not spend any money uh you know there's uh there's going to be lots of pent up demand in the reopening and i think people are restless and we're social beings, and you know, doing, you know, having calls with friends that over Zoom is, is not it. It doesn't do it. Um, so I think it is reasonably black and white, and I think that we will see re- a reopening play coming in a lot of these areas.
5: I would, I would just yeah. add to that, Wolf. Yeah, no, I would, I would add to that. You know, I think the reopening is happening, just like JJ said. People are tired of being locked down. Um, but you know, we kicked off the show. We talked about rate of change, right? The lockdown rate of change was rapid. It was uh, immediate, actually, last uh, March. Good point. The recovery is happening. I think that it's <laughs> less certain in terms of the timing. Meaning it could be six months, it could be 12 months, it could be 18 months. Um, I do think that there are certainly, you know, stay-at-home stocks that have benefited uh, dramatically and probably got overvalued. Uh, and they're correcting. And, and you talked about technology correcting. And, you know, the NASDAQ was down 10% a couple weeks ago. Um, there's certain parts of the technology sector that are just doing, they're doing just fine. You know, you look at Lyft, you look at a company like Microsoft, you know, they're off their highs but they're holding in quite well. So there, there's um, it's a bit of a rolling correction. We saw it with the NASDAQ. We saw it with the Russell. And like I said, recovery is happening. Um, rate of change and timing is a little less certain, but I, I think we're going to get there.
4: You know, uh, gentlemen, uh, I, I, always, it, I, I always go back to, uh, and Sandy McIntyre used the line last week, but what my good friend Bill Quinn taught me uh, on Bay Street when I first began, he said, Wolfie, a portfolio is like a bar of soap. The more you touch it, the smaller it gets. Uh, so again, after the fact, and I, I, I'm speaking to myself right here, my friends, I, I share with you uh, what I have to go through. But uh, after the fact is too late. Uh, you have to either be preemptive um, or uh, accept the fact that uh, you're in a, uh, a bit of a consolidating, uh, correcting uh, phase. Um, Jack, excuse me, uh, JJ. So, so give me your favorite ideas uh, for, for the remainder of 2021 and, and that which you really don't like.
1: Uh, I, um, I kind of like a lot of things. I would say that uh, I think in the environment we're in now, uh, just going back to our bond discussion, I like the idea of a short term corporate bond portfolio. Kind of a, a one to five year ladder where nothing in that portfolio is rated lower than a uh, there's lots of debt out in the corporate world and uh, uh, I think that that kind of bond portfolio gives you some balance you lose a bit of income I like the idea of making it up in dividend stocks I also remain a big fan because of the fact that interest rates maybe still have some upside in the in this range that i think is going to hold one and a half to two percent on the 10-year treasury uh that i like dividend growthy things as well kind of balancing off some income so pay you know something to keep you patient but also some growth over time and i think that the global growth environment is going to be pretty good for the next several years and
6: uh in a a low rate
4: environment so sorry, sorry jj let you know, so before let me talk small cap after that, but uh, I'll lose my question. Uh, if, um, in in a low interest rate environment such as ours, that that's seeing uh, rate uh, pressure. Um, are you better off with uh, high dividend payers or dividend growth stocks? And I think it's the latter.
1: I, I kind of I'm in the growth camp partly because. I think that the inflation risk we're dealing—I'm not an inflationista at this point in uh, time—but I do (laughs) see a compelling argument for a higher rate of inflation going forward because of the buildup in government debt, because of the erosion in uh, globalization, which was a big source of downward pressure on inflation. I think it's going to be neutral, maybe even upward going forward. So I think the inflation risks are evolving from long-term downside, longer-term upside. And in that environment, growth to me is better than value. Dividend growth uh, is preferred to high dividends. I worry wait, about talk. corporate I, balance sheets. We've added a lot of corporate debt over the last number of years in a lot of countries. And I think that uh, you know the the, the higher dividend pairs are great as long as the balance sheet's in great place, in great shape, and I would view that as part of an overall income portfolio with uh, a, a qu- with some bonds that focus on the balance
5: side of things. I, w- I would just add to that, Wolf. Um, you're talking about uh, dividend growth. Typically, dividend growth coincides with earnings growth. Um, so I would expect, you know, companies that can participate in the economic recovery, companies that have operating leverage um, should have or you'd expect them to have earnings growth. Um, and that would follow through with the, the, the dividend growth that JJ is talking about. So companies with operating leverage, I would really expect to outperform as this economic recovery unfolds. And like I said, the timing of that is not certain, but I think that we're moving in the right direction. Uh, JJ,
4: uh, g- give us your uh, thoughts on the, can- on the uh, Canadian dollar, please. Well,
1: um Subject to you know, potential near-term volatility, we've had a big run, but the fact of the matter is the big moves in the Canadian dollar over time tend to follow movements in commodity prices, and commodity prices tend to follow the economic cycle. Uh, the economic cycle is pointing upwards for global economies, that points upwards for commodity prices, and that points upward generally for the Canadian dollar.
4: What a great answer. Uh, really, really brilliant, uh, JJ. Um, it is Hi-Fi Radio, Global News Radio, 640 in Toronto. Uh, let's spend a little bit more time uh, with JJ. Uh, go to a quick break and get right back to him and get his views on the world of money.
3: Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
4: Longer person together, aren't we, my good friends? Hey, we need each other. JJ was talking about that at the beginning of the show. And, of course, it is a show about money. We call it Hi-Fi Radio. I like to move, weave in some music into the show. I'm a big fan, and I share it with you. Uh, but, of course, the show is about money, and uh, we're trying to help you have more of it. Part of that is to protect your money. And, uh, well, it's a crazy world. And uh, we help you get uh, through it. Indeed, we do. Uh, JJ... Uh, Johnson. He is a strategist uh, with Davis Ray. Uh, they're an investment management firm on Bay Street. I've known JJ for decades, uh, and uh, you know, I must say to you, JJ, um, <laughs> you're, you're you're I you're you're, you're I, don't, I don't know how to say this to you. I'm stumbling on my words here, but I wouldn't call you a pessimist. But you're uh, I wouldn't even call you a cautious, a cautious optimist. But you're you tend to be more neutral uh, when I speak with you, uh, not as upbeat and uh, shall I say as, as myself. But you're sounding pretty optimistic right now. Uh, you know, I'm, I've been getting my head kicked in in the market, and well, I'm looking for someone to save my life right now. And I think you helped me out. You make me feel a little bit better about things. <laughs> so yeah. thank you for that.
1: <laughs> Oh
4: my pleasure yeah, I, I, well, that's what this business is all about we have we have to pick everyone up every now and then eh? Mm. and uh, you know it, it's it's a tough business I, you know I, again I share it with you it's a difficult business managing other people's money and you know Jack and I take this job very very seriously we want to do good for our people and, and help them build wealth and uh, well in, in, in doing so you have to At times, you have to put your money at risk and manage at risk accordingly. And, uh, well, risk is a double-edged sword. Uh, It doesn't just go straight up. And, uh, well, the market keeps teaching me that and reminding me of that. Uh, I'll tell you my other problem. This is cute. You guys will laugh at this. this. This market has been choppy. Clients aren't noticing it. They're not calling me and complaining. That's a problem. I guess it's a contrarian signal, right? Big time. Hey Jackie, I'm well, surprised you didn't jump on that. You're surprised you were well, laughing. Well, yeah, the, the other point that I would add, the, <laughs> the
5: other, the other, point because that wait, I no,
4: but is... when they're crying, when, when they're crying, you should be boring. People aren't crying enough. It's, and and uh, what's what's that lady's name? The the superstar, uh, Cook? Is it Kathy Woods? Kathy Woods. Kathy Woods. Woods. Yeah. Uh, when, when, when someone becomes an iconic market participant, both good or bad, uh look the other way and Kathy became uh, a a superstar uh, Have you been paying attention to her work? obviously, I know you are now uh, john uh, but have you were you paying attention to her work, say twelve months ago, when she was out there buying all these super tech stocks and getting uh, her clients super rich
1: yeah no i've I've heard of her, but I've, i don't follow anybody like that particularly closely
4: no. No, but she made headlines, and I'm reading about her on on a daily, weekly basis. But anyways,
5: uh, Jack, you want to pipe in here, buddy? Yeah, the other thing that I would just add there, Wolf, is that, like you said, we've had a correction in small caps. We've had a correction in the the NASDAQ, especially the growthy type NASDAQ stocks. But you're looking at you know the major indices that most retail investors even look at, uh, and, and some retail got into some of those high flying names. But you know you look at the Dow, it's down less than five percent. I think it's maybe two and a half off its all time high. Uh, the S and P 500, it's still you know within a five percent correction. And, and Toronto's actually been the one of the leaders this year because of our exposure to the banks and to energy, which has been you know sort of left for dead last year, but starting to, to recover a little bit. So the broad indices that people really look at are actually holding in quite well. And I would say that, um, you know, the S&P is holding in well because it has, you know, those mega cap names that people sort of hide in, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, those types of things, they've held in relatively well. Um, so it's sort of disguising the, uh, I think the the rolling correction that we're seeing.
4: It really, really, really is. Uh, again, you know, the- I'm almost tempted, and I know it's the wrong thing to do to basically uh, reposition portfolios aggressively and, and and buy the diamonds and buy the TSE 60. Uh, and I know it's the wrong thing to do because the stuff that's beaten up will turn the most uh, when it does turn. It's just the way it works. Uh, in other words, I, I don't think China's been left for dead. I don't think emerging markets are left for dead. I don't think the banks are left for dead, nor the uh, commodity stocks. But you're seeing weakness in everything I just spoke of, yet the indices themselves are... They're not disguised. It's just a matter of what is working, what's not working. The the, the reopening theme, uh, the, the, the industrial stocks, the 3Ms, the Honeywells, um, the Caterpillars, the John Deeres, uh, they, they continue to uh, propel higher. Uh, anything tech, anything biotech, anything science, uh, and anything new uh, is trending the wrong why? Uh, but again, technology is exciting. And, and you know, what, what really fascinates the uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, uh, Jack and JJ, um, it really fascinates me is, is how in the last 20 years, uh, business has become a winner take all environment. It's not, and that's not really spoken of as much, I think, as it should be. Uh, any new industry 100 years ago had massive amounts of participants. Uh, it was pure capitalism working its way down into a mature industry of an oligopoly nature. That doesn't exist anymore. It goes basically from an oligopoly of a few participants into one or two dominant players. Uh, and, and that is a you know, winner-take-all environment that, that is extremely compelling. And again, I'm thinking about names like a, uh, Airbnb, uh, JJ. Can you, can you give me your thoughts briefly on that before we uh, have to uh, part ways?
1: Well, I would kind of go back a little further. You had this kind of capitalism in the 18th, late 1800s where, uh, you know, Standard Oil of New Jersey, Standard Oil was had consolidated into this behemoth. And then the regulators and the antitrusters came along, and I think that's the <laughs> risk now, and I think that's what some of the tech companies are dealing with they have two risks to deal with one is they have the regulatory side of things, uh, probably more they'll get because it's hard for the regulators to determine competition in this kind of uh, in, uh, environment, but uh, it'll come in the form of taxes of some sort probably, and they also face risks with respect to China, uh, not because China's economy is left for dead. I think there's a lot of imbalances there, and it's going to be a big problem at some point down the road. I think this co- an emerging cold war between China and the, and the West uh, is going to be a big issue, and uh, I think that's something we need to keep an eye on. But tech is going to move with the economic cycle, and you know some of those. You know when we had the tech bust in, two, in the early 2000s, you know there were a lot of companies that didn't have any earnings, and a lot of the weakness in tech. You had a lot of really crummy tech companies rallying very strongly Uh, and a lot of the stuff we focus on and I'm sure you do as well based on the comments you're making are the big-name tech companies that have great cash flows great earnings great market power good leadership and you know they're going to do well going forward and you know within that tech world there's a lot of crummy companies that are going to fall by the wayside in this environment
4: Yeah, well, again, it is a very exciting world that we live in. Uh, We can speak 5G, we can talk about artificial intelligence, driverless cars, sensors, semiconductors. Uh, It really is life changing. And all the technology that that man has given us, uh, prepared us very, very well thank God, uh, for the year of 2020 and right into 2021. Uh, Look, my good friends, uh, just spent some time with a good friend, JJ Johnson, Uh, one of Wish you well, my good friend, and we will get you back on the air, John. Uh, Be safe. May you uh, congregate uh, with your friends in a very safe manner uh, so we can speak to you very, very soon. We're going to take a quick break and get uh, into the world of real estate with Jay Child and get his views on the land grab that's taking place uh, all over the world. Uh, Stay tuned. Hi-Fi Radio, Global News, 640 Toronto.
3: Listen, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
0: You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Let's
4: go to the disco, Hey? Eh? I guess we can't do that in this day and age, but we can think about it and reminisce about the good old days. Ah, oh, the good old days. Uh, you know the Dow in the good old days? The Dow Industrials, during the 70s, could not get above 1,000 points. It, it oscillated between 500 and 1,000 from uh, about 1972 to 1982. 500, 1,000. Back and forth, back and forth, back, and then finally broke out. They got uh, interest rates uh, on the downtick, and away the Dow went. Uh, From 1982 to present, 1,000 became, what, 33,000 points. 33 times the size. And, uh, well, it happens in all asset classes. Asset classes, prices tend to just go up over the long haul. Uh, Real estate, uh, of course, is dear to most people's hearts. the dream of owning a home, I think, is uh, you know within our Canadian culture. It's such a big country, so much land, it's unbelievable. But if it's green belt, it ain't good. <laughs> and well, I like guess if it's a uh, green field, it's okay, isn't it? Uh, let's, let's learn a little bit more about commercial real estate and about uh, the big land uh, transaction take place in our province. Jay Child, yeah, Ian Hunt. Jay Child has been on the show many times. An absolute expert uh, in the world of Land. Uh, Gentlemen, uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you for spending some time with us. Thanks for having us. So uh, the, t- well, what is the theme uh gentlemen what what's going through the the commercial real estate uh industry uh well, what do you see on the next for the next 3 to 5 years what's the scoop
6: Well wolf uh, you know thanks again for having us on uh and Jack it's always great to talk to you guys you know we've been talking about this a lot because actually in the last uh 12, 18 months we've had lots of uh lots of big things to deal with but um, I think it's fair to say on the land side, just overarching, is that uh, in today's market, liquidity is at, uh, at a very good level in terms of a high. Uh, values are, um, you know, without using a blanket statement, at an all-time high. Uh, almost across the, board, the residential market is uh, doing very well. And there's a lot of debt out there for uh, for both employment land as, as well as residential. So uh, from my perspective, that is going to continue to trend in the right direction, especially as we as we clear up this, uh, the COVID
5: regulations. So you talk about liquidity there, Jay, are these banks and private lenders, are they looking at these valuations and saying, you know what, I want a bit more security because uh, from what you were telling me before, obviously valuations are uh, extreme at the high end of the, the scale. And, and in terms of um, you know security, maybe banks want to make sure that they're protected on the downside if valuations correct. So are you seeing any issues with that in terms of lending?
6: Well, there's a lot of private capital out there. Well, uh, most of the guys doing uh, doing the larger development projects are are you know well healed. Um, so banks are typically secure. We don't have too many in, on the development side high ratio uh, loans, etc. I mean the housing market's at an all time high. I know Ian has uh, has some thoughts on that. Going maybe I'll pass it off to him to finish that question. off.
2: Yeah, I think kind of over the the, the coming years, the real factor that is. Essentially going to be the kerosene that keeps this this market on fire is going to be the the immigration target set. You know, we're at record highs in terms of sales and pricing, and we haven't really been hitting near the number that we were supposed to in terms of uh, immigration. You know, we have the most aggressive targets around 400,000 immigrants per year is, is the goal. Uh, over the over the coming three years, and uh, we haven't seen those kind of levels since you know 1913, I think it was. So we've been chugging along at a really good clip without that that factor even coming into play yet. So once those borders open up, once that comes into play again, it's it's. It's going to be
5: significant. So you talk about the immigration. So immigrants typically go to large cities, obviously Toronto being destination, Vancouver and Toronto, um, primary cities in Canada that immigrants go to. Um, But the real, I guess, the real price appreciation is what we've seen sort of in the, you know, the GTA. I've actually talked to two, two clients and individuals. They're actually out in Chatham right now. Um, and I, I saw a piece in the Globe Mail talking about Chatham property prices rose more in 2020 than they did for the period of time from 1985 to 2015. So can you guys maybe talk to the, the urban valuations and what you're seeing in terms of price appreci- price appreciation as people are sort of moving out of the city?
6: Yeah, and I think it was about a year ago, almost exactly, when uh, we started to see that shift in uh, consumer preference. And, and I think we were um, kind of at the forefront to say, it's going to be a run-on ground-oriented housing in suburbs. Um, to Ian's point, kind of bringing it all together, and to your point, Jack, about Chatham uh, as an example, and we could use Brantford, Woodstock, Newtick, Wasega, Calling. I mean, we could go around the golden horse and tell you that statistically the percentage increases are, are great, you know, 20 to 40% year-over-year, Windsor, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> keep in mind they're off of a low base. Um, and so when affordability and options come into play, you know, it's, you know, as one of our partners, Dan Satour always says, it's a game of substitutes. So if you have that geographic mobility, what 500 or $600,000 gets you all of a sudden becomes less relevant than how much it, you could have bought it for two years ago. So we're seeing that continued growth outwards, you know, as a group that we agree, you know, the resurgence of the, of the urban, uh, I guess, demand will, is coming back and will come back. And I think and the condo condo market and the new niches that are that are ongoing now. Immigration do that, but I really think that the ability of people to move into the suburbs will continue and I and I really think that effect is going to continue to grow
2: um, these markets indefinitely. Yeah, I was just thinking in terms of immigration historically, you're right, they have gone to major urban centers, you know, typically Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver are the top three. Um, I think as the GTA has expanded and you have different pockets within suburban markets, whether it's Markham, Richmond Hill, a lot of Durham, um, I think a lot more immigrants nowadays are going to be more comfortable moving to these established areas that maybe 50, 50 years ago weren't established. So by default, you'd be going to Toronto, Montreal. Vancouver or you would at least use those as a jump off point to go to your final destination whether it's a suburban market or not so I think you're going to see more immigrants come in and they may land yes absolutely Toronto Montreal Vancouver it's not to say they're going to stay there very long
4: anyways Ian Hunt uh, with CB Richard Ellis and his partner Jay Child commercial real estate brokers very very smart Uh, they understand the numbers and it's a whole different game once again Uh, yes markets are similar but they're different Uh, It's Hi-Fi Radio. It's Global News 640 in Toronto. I'm Wolfgang Klein. I'm Portfolio Manager. I help people like you build wealth. If you have any questions for Jack or I, please visit our website, WolfgangKlein.com. It's a privilege to spend an hour with you each and every Saturday right here on the Global News Radio Network 640 Toronto.